Action Park Media. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Blood. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Today on the show, I'm happy to welcome Richard Trapp. He has had quite a journey, including a near-death experience at over 700 pounds. He's here to talk about healthy living and a sober lifestyle. You can find Richard on Instagram at 727-pound marathon man. Rich Trap, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thank you, sir. Thank Good you to be so here. Much. Thank you for coming. Oh I've, man, I've uh, I've been aware of your story for a long time. Yeah, it's the craziest fucking. I'm sorry, I'm already swearing, which is upsetting <laughs> set somebody. It off, man. Yeah, it's a crazy story. It's wild. So yeah, you have gone through a radical transformation. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you what I know, and then I think there's a, a quite a bit more details. But you went from 700 plus pounds, 727, 727 mm-hmm. to about 265, 265. Yeah. That's I'm trying to do the math. That's it's almost 500. Pounds. Almost 500 pounds, yeah. dude. That's crazy. And you've like <laughs> run marathons. Yeah. What a success story. Okay. Thanks, man. How, how, what happened? And. There was like a medical part of this too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had, um, I, uh, at the end there, I was drinking about a handle of vodka a day. So I'm in recovery as well. So that's part of the story. Nice. Um, but I, you know, I kind of roller coastered um, my whole life. I was a big kid, big uh, football player in high school, went to college um, for theater, dropped it all, you know, um, fit, you know, super healthy. And stayed that way um, for a long time. And um, uh, I ran a few marathons back in the day. So I was like wheatgrass marathon guy. But I was also, I would always vacillate between the super healthy guy and the wild man. You know, so a friend of mine would be like, we'd go out to dinner and he'd say, what are you this week? Are you a vegan drink eating you know doing shots of wheatgrass or or is it steak and cocaine you know what i mean it was it was like that and young guy in his 20s like i could i could come back and then just do a prolonged healthy thing and bounce back but then that dip got worse and worse you know progressively uh became a bartender started doing some of the bad stuff and uh i never I was more of a stoner than a drinker, but the drinking was always kind of, you know, it was alarming, the the patterns that I would get into. And then towards the end, it just took over everything. And so I was I was in this sick cycle of liquor and food. And I in order to drink as much as I was drinking, I had to have something in my stomach. I'm not like an old school, you know, the detective in the 50s that's doing shots of rye and smoke. I couldn't do that. I got to have something in my belly. Yeah. So it was this sick cycle of of eating and drinking and eating and drinking, and then the only thing that would that would alleviate that 
was the actual food and the drink itself. So I would feel bad about all of that. And, that you know, it was just an awful cycle. And then at the end, I ballooned up on my own to 427. So um, is it is it not crazy like the discovery and, and it and it was like such an eye opening event for me, too. You wake up so hungover that like the idea of alcohol is repulsive mm-hmm. and you're like, I will never drink again. The day you realize that a drink cures that, mm. like oh. takes it all away, oh. it's so fucked up. You isn't said it? it, man. You it's, said it's it. It's almost as weird as overeating one night and then waking up starving. Yeah. Like that's another crazy thing. That's right. Like, <laughs> the December 26th for me is literally the hungriest day of the year because I've right. had the craziest yeah, meal. That's it. And you'd think like, I'm not going to eat for two days. Not the case. I wake up hungrier the next day. That's it. And with alcohol, I, the, it was such a dangerous thing for me to discover because it then really enforces this like cycle of doing something to excess and mm-hmm. then the cure is this more of what you're doing. That's it. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I see a lot of people, you know, now when I see someone on the street that's obese, I don't, it's like the only um, mental health condition that you can see visibly, you know what I mean? So I don't see someone who, you know, has no self-restraint or all of the things that I think society puts on that. I see an addict, you know, and it's the same thing, like you said, with booze and the, and the cure for it that next morning. I mean, I'm a big dude, I'm six, five, but that handle, you know, like that's uh you got to work at that yeah. that's a lot of work to get through one of those and then i would always you know i'd always have that last inch or two in the freezer for the next morning for that you know that cure you're yeah. absolutely right i and this was another thing uh going through rehab a number of times that was eye-opening to me and i didn't really understand it and 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 in fairness i wasn't even in there for stuff as dangerous as i found out mm. kind of the more mainstream stuff was but you go in and i was in there for opiates yeah and um really opiates and cocaine Mm. and thinking like this is as bad as it gets (laughs) i have destroyed my body as much as a person can destroy their body and i and i'm not saying i didn't i guess to some degree it becomes a little bit subjective but seeing the 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 drunks yeah in rehab it's fucking scary yeah the shit the amount of medication they have to be given that's right just to get off alcohol yeah is wild and then the same thing for um you know prescription drugs yeah and i'm not even talking about opiates but like uh anti-anxiety sure meds, oh like yeah that. like you can die if you just quit taking it. yeah you got to come off of it medically yeah, yeah. and you know the um i had uh do you know what edema is of yes. the so um you know, I had edema in one of my legs. So for years, I would look at my, you know, I'd pull a sock up. And when you take the sock off, the imprint would stay on the leg. And then like, you know, as scary as Big Brother is, there would be these these like pop up ads that would be like, does your leg look like this? You may have a heart, you know, and I would just laugh in denial and also kind of that sick thing of like this self punishment. But I had an edema on my leg. And I even had at the end like a like a a cut on my leg that I don't know how I got that was like infected. And so that edema then translated to my body started to shut down. You know, when I got admitted to the hospital, I had imminent heart failure, imminent respiratory failure, massive edema, anasarcus cellulitis. So the, the 
edema manifests itself into what's called anasarca when it's more than, you know, a big case of edema is like 30 pounds, you know. Anasarca usually manifests itself in the torso, and I had 300 pounds of edema of anasarca. That's just basically for the layperson swelling. Right. So when your heart um, ceases functioning properly, the fluids that are normally in your blood, including blood, but a lot of other stuff, go extravascular. That extravascular material, which I just call water weight, um, then floods into your body, basically goes into your cells and under your skin. And you see it also in people that are um, that are malnourished as well. They've got this swollen belly and you see it in, um, you know, extreme cases of liver failure. You see that that swollen belly. Well, no one had ever seen 300 pounds no. of it when I called. So I knew the night before I called 911, I sat up to sleep and I would nod off and wait because I knew in the back of my head that if I if I just leaned over, I would crush myself to death. And the doctor confirmed that later on, you yeah. know. So I I knew I was in trouble in the nature of the denial of things in in addiction. I I knew it and I was trying to find any other solution other than asking for help. You know, sure. that was like the last thing that I thought because I didn't want to bother anyone. You know, it's this is wild because all of this is I, I've experienced my own version of yeah. all of this, but it does become this thing where you're totally convinced. First of all, it's embarrassing to ask mm, for help. Totally. And then there's like a, a helplessness feeling. Yeah. And you don't want to admit that. And, yeah. and also. You can. I I remember being totally convinced that I could figure it out. Like on the hundredth time, there you go. That I was had made the decision that's to it. make a change. That's I it. was still convinced that I could figure it out yeah, on my own. That's right. Know? Yeah, and that's wild because at the time you do, you're totally convinced of that. That is the reality. Yeah. And uh, I actually, I so I called nine one one. Local company sixty three came and got me. Venice company sixty three. I actually met. Um, the guy, Danny Gonzo Gonzalez, I posted a thing on Instagram because I would, when I was training for the marathon, I would see the ambulance or the, the bus, they call it, or the fire truck go by at like mile 10 when I needed to get to 11. You know, every single time that I needed a little push, I would see that thing go by and I'd be like, come on. So I posted a thing of it and he commented on the post and he said, was this an apartment? Because I told the story. He said, was this an apartment on Venice Boulevard? I said, yeah. He goes, I was the first guy through the door. Wow. So I actually met him. So I called and when I called 911, I said uh, you know, here are my symptoms. I've been drinking a lot. I couldn't taste salt like thing. like my body was shutting down. And I said, um, I'm an obese man. I'm very tall, but I think I'm around 400 pounds. That's what I said. And truthfully, that's kind of where I was without that body weight but or without the water weight. But that had come on so fast that when they came and got me, you know, there were like eight, 10, 12 guys in the thing. And they're like, we can't, they had to bring a special chair because I was on the second floor. So I had 10 guys carry me down. The concrete stairs are still, I was looking at it with my neighbor Pablo the other day. They're still cracked wow. from me, Right. <laughs> the concrete. So they came and got me and, you know. <laughs> What's the time frame, or maybe, and maybe yeah. you have no idea, from when the edema starts to basically, I mean, you got if if your body can't create it out of nowhere, but so right. so it's basically like 
everything you consumed is becoming water and being stored yes. subcutaneously, yes. right? And what's so scary is that, um, and that's a great question because I, uh, I ha- had been feeling bad in a number of different ways, but bad enough that I took a few days off of work. And I um, kind of holed up in, in my room for a few days. And I was driving like a Honda CRV, like a mini um, little SUV thing. And I, I barely made it down the stairs to go get a coffee after that few days of holing up in my room. And in that few days, I remember getting into the car and I couldn't even, like I could barely get in the, the car. And that's actually why I called 911 because I scraped, you know, um, my testicles and that's why I actually called because getting into that car as such a massive human being um, it scraped something and then that swelled up and then that's why I I couldn't walk but but getting into that car that few days I probably took on 100 200 pounds of water like that I mean it was it's just it's monstrous to think of and the doctors and the nurses too were like you know, when you, they give you the intake, they put a uh, ID bracelet around your wrist. Well, they put mine around the ankle. They couldn't, for some reason, they couldn't do the wrist. And two days after I was admitted, it it had gone down so fast that the nurse came and put two fingers in between it. And she's like, she goes, you know what? She just had this, every one of them had this look on their face. They go, you know, we're all talking about you, right? Like, no one's ever seen anything like this. Yeah. And the reason... My story is so crazy, too. You don't hear about this because, number one, it doesn't happen. You know, I have a giant frame that somehow could take on this much extra weight, water weight, um, Dude, on top I, of my I, own I, weight. I had congestive heart failure. There so you go. I had edema that would start in my feet and raise up, and I had it get all the way into my torso. There you go. N- nothing close to I mean, it was like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, it was a lot. It right. was noticeable. It was uncomfortable. Right. But it wasn't, that is a fucking profoundly big number. Yeah. It's horrifying, you know? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You know, so when I, when they got me to the hospital, um, they couldn't even find a vein. I was so engorged and enlarged. They couldn't find a vein for the ever to, they just needed to get a, a, a shot in there, you know? And I remember them struggling with that. And then they were doing, you know, my best friend Lego, um, David Rojas, came and met me there. He's the one that told me, by the way, I go, maybe we can go to a clinic. Maybe I can you can bring your truck and I can get one of those donuts and sit on. And he's like, dude, you're not fitting in my (laughs) in any car. Right. He's like, pull the trigger. Call the call. nine one one. He saved my life, basically. So when he met me, they were doing all the, the intake stuff. I was coherent. I was answering questions and then all of a sudden the lights went out and uh and all i remember hearing was hit my last name's trap and him going trap trap come on breathe breathe and what i didn't know was that you know your oxygen levels they're monitoring it and usually i think healthy is like 96 97 mine was going 10 6 2 0 10 6 2 0 and it was dropping so they were trying to intubate me and i don't know if you've ever been intubated not or my. no, I'm sorry. Um, it's the CPAP. Yes, I've had one of those. Okay, yeah. so the CPAP in emergency room is this. It looks like an oxygen mask, but it's violently forcing air, oxygen into your lungs. And so I was fighting it. 
and like negotiating with them. I'm like, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. Even at that state, I was still kind of like hustling a little yeah, bit. Like, you know? I know how to do this. Yeah. yeah. The audacity, right? Right. Um, so they couldn't get me, they couldn't force enough oxygen to save me. So um, that's when the tube went in. And I don't know, I don't know if it's like a medically induced coma or whatever, but you got, you can't, you know, they got to put you out. And I think I was in a state of like a medically induced coma, but also like basically just dying, you know. So um, I woke up. That was uh, April 18th, um, 2018. I, I woke up um, a few days later surrounded by all my friends with a tube shoved down my throat. That's intubated. And my hand strapped down because you can't you'll, your you'll yank it out. Pull it panic, out right? Yeah. And uh, I woke up and... Um, my other friend Buddha Black, he calls me Treasy. That's what I woke up to. He's like, Treasy, Treasy, what's up? What's good? Everybody was laughing. And uh, my mom was there, you know, a bunch of my best friends. And um, I couldn't believe there was something in my soul that realized that I came back, you know. And, uh, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I was still there. And, the you know, I, I was still fighting at that point because... When my mom tells the story, um, she says all the doctors and nurses were saying, be prepared. You got to get ready because this guy's not going to make it. There's no physical way that he can recover from what he's done to his body. And then, you know, the doctors at Cedar sinai saved my life. But then something else, I, I don't know what else happened. You know what I mean? Something else. There, it's It's just... It's it's almost impossible to come back from that. Yeah. So you know I've, you know, I, I wake up pretty much every day with that same feeling of like I can't because who gets a second chance like that? You yeah. know what I mean? Like how do you get? How do you recover from such? You know, and when I tell my story too, I don't get it twisted. Like it's you know I did this to myself, so it's not like recovering from cancer or anything like that. Like this is a story of you know somebody who you know tried to kill themselves basically and almost succeeded but then it was the worst thing that ever happened to me and the best thing that ever happened to me because when I woke up I couldn't speak obviously and I couldn't write so my mom had this system of um of letters on a piece of uh, paper that you know and uh, I would point with like a pencil and I said three things I said uh I need help obviously great I said I have a plan Right. Again, plans, it's yeah. that self-will, which my mom goes, oh, my God, this guy, I can't believe it. And then I said, uh, I need a sponsor because I knew, you know, I grew up good Irish Catholic family. My mom's in the program. My grandma's my aunts, my cousins, my, you know, everybody. So um, I kind of knew. And, um, you know, there was there was something deep down inside of me, too, that said, um, you know, since I got this second chance, I'm such an extreme person that that I don't know what I'm fascinated with is, you know, when the switch happens. Like for you, it's like, how do you describe to someone when you've just had enough and you flip that switch? Because when I flip that switch, I just like everything else in my life, I want the change to happen immediately, too. Yeah. So that's very frustrating. You know, and I know you talk about that a lot on the podcast is like this is a marathon it's not a sprint and like that's the most frustrating thing because once you decide 
I know you, I was listening to one the other day when you said, if I woke up with 200 pounds, like you would be like, I need get to get this off, off yeah. me. and like, that's that feeling. But like, I knew, you know, I spent 10 days in the ICU, two weeks at Cedar sinai and then two weeks at Rancho Los Amigos, which is a physical rehabilitation place. How the long were you intubated? I was intubated for, um, for probably three, four, five days. I was intubated oh for a long God. time. That, I mean, like that sounds like hell. Oh, it was horrible. But it was also like, it was the ultimate helplessness and hopelessness and also like something inside of me just gave didn't give up but just just kind of relinquished and went I'm done right I'm done you know because I couldn't go and you know kudos to anyone who can who can quit something on their own because I couldn't you know I I had to have that tube shoved down my throat to to quit drinking I go and visit people before the pandemic um at hospitals that have uh that are waiting liver transplants you know and um you've got people that are on the list and they've got to get people from our little group to come and see them to kind of qualify because they don't know if you're going to get a new liver you're going to keep drinking probably and uh you see these people that are on the brink and they still don't get it you know that's it, it sometimes that's not enough you know that and that's a qualification like you, you get a new liver you kind of gotta yeah you, you gotta, gotta change i mean it, yeah it, especially if it's something that you're doing that's prompted that's liver it. failure exactly and that's and i i couldn't believe that when i first heard that that they had to have a board that said yes or no i go if somebody needs a new liver give it to them well what they've learned from we, experience we don't, by the way there's not just new livers there coming you out of the, you know, <laughs> they're not growing on trees so, that's it like i i, I think sympathetically i think my reaction is the same and then i go like well if we got one liver and 20 people That's right i'm probably gonna want to give it to the guy who is like i fucked up i want to do something different yeah that's it and you know the that that deep down kind of you know that intubation and that helplessness also was like the first time that i had peace in a really long time you know because i just I just kind of it all stopped, you know, because it's so much work to to drink that much and to eat that much, and to, it's so much work, you know. And so having that gift, you know, waking up every day and going, I can't believe I'm here again, you know. There's almost like a giddiness to that, you know. It's like this this like joy of living. And I love that you said that because I I I do think it's a perspective that is hard to see when you're in it mm. right because our behaviors and our habits and our activities become become the antithesis of of work of hard work right but the reality is enable to uh, to to maintain a size that big mm. to maintain any kind of addiction is real work yeah it's so bizarre because yeah. when you're in it it's just how you're living sure. and the work is trying to change your habits right but once you've changed your habits yeah. now you have new work habits and the idea of going and doing this other thing would seem like work like you know to to refoment all of those right. habits would be like for me like it's a lot like you got to 
you got a lot of like finding the right people to like deal yes. with who are willing to put up with you know it's, yeah. it's just it becomes work yeah and what i realized too was that you know i'm just a fiend you know what i mean i'm just if i'm if i'm sitting at home i've got i've got a water i have a coffee i have probably an old coffee for my thing and probably a new thing you know i just always have but if i direct that fiendishness toward good stuff like working out and what i realized was i started walking barefoot on the beach i and i and i you know knew that movement was key to everything for me if i could get up get moving um rancho los amigos the the second place where i was um taught me how to walk again i couldn't walk right. you know i was physically unable to walk and they were treating me like i was going to be disabled for the rest of my life because at that size and what i had done to my body you know i had the little hook to like there's like a little hook you, that that um obese people use to like put like you know socks and like uh, clothes on they were giving me like these special bus things to do you know they were and again in my mind what well, by the time you got there how much of the edema had come so off? that's the wild part right so i wake up and and look at the whiteboard next to me and it says six six which i'm six five and three quarters which i didn't know i always say i'm six five right. Don't, the three quarters like take it easy yeah, you know? yeah. but i see six six and I'm i like, would i would I'm own like, those three quarters, would you own that? if i had that yeah <laughs> Six, so I see six six seven twenty seven, and I and I still have a picture of. You know, it's two days later, and it says like six something. So within twenty four hours, I'd probably dropped almost a hundred pounds of water weight. I wow. mean, they were. I was. I had a catheter in, and the nurses every fifteen minutes were carting off the iced tea jug of you know fluids. Right. I mean, it was again. They were like. It, it was a joke, you know, they were like, what is, what, who is this? Yeah. Like, wh how do you, you know, they had me on the kidney flush stuff. Lasix probably. That's it. That's yeah, exactly I, it. I was on that. Yeah, totally. Um, and so 200 pounds of that water weight probably came off within three, four, five days. Wow. I mean, unbelievable. And I was on this geriatric bed that was like this inflatable bed that, you know everything too has to be special yeah for that size everything's double wide everything's inflated everything's you know and so again you know i put um on my instagram is 727 pound marathon man because it's like if i get out in front of this story and say and just claim it and own it all of the shame and all of the all, all of the guilt that i've lived with you know for so long as that obese person it's like I if I get out ahead of that and just say, yep, this is it. Claim it. It's it's like I it's just a relief, you know, because yeah. even even in the hospitals and in the things like I felt like a freak. You know what I mean? Like everything's special. You got to get the bed is weird and the thing is weird. And like, you know, I feel like in our society so much of like even beginning to even think about reversing the course of of your actions and your behavior is like it's it's like you said it's like who do you even ask for how how do you even reach out what do you do like you know that initial block is everything yeah you know because it's like ah, eh, we don't i can talk about depression we can talk about um any other kind of mental illness and or cancer or like you broke your leg but the obesity thing it's like can't you just stop you know can't you just take it easy on the uh, on the fast food and it's like it's a little bit more complex than that, you yeah. know, um, and and I, I feel like 
I, I learned a lot about myself in the process of, of recovery with all the nurses and the doctors and stuff. And they, cause they were so kind and they, and looking at, lo, you know, looking at pictures of me in there, I didn't, I didn't feel inside how I looked on the outside and they treated me how I felt on the inside, you know, such a gift. They're so lovely about that. I think that, that that's an important thing that you bring up too. And, and I hadn't really, really thought of it in these terms, but like, I thought of it more in clinical terms, like, you know, lots of thin people could have high cholesterol, mm -hmm. right? And we don't see that. That's right. So we're not really aware of the behavior that's causing mm -hmm. that, that they're doing. Depression is an interesting one because unless you're like very close with a person, right. the persons could experience their depression from their bed. Right. and then present to you a happy facade for the most part and and lots of mental illness works that way i've yeah. had um uh schizophrenia not in my immediate family but in my wife's and mm. and so that for a long time we were just totally unaware of yeah. it we just thought there was some moodiness mm. and then there were some incidents where we were like this is really like what's happening wow, here and yeah. then there was the diagnosis and you and you start to kind of puzzle together like oh nobody knew that right. that was it right That's and right. so obesity yeah it's just there yeah we can't escape it so yeah. I've had friends who have felt mortified about depression. Right. They, they don't want to talk about it. They hide it as much as possible. There's no hiding mm -hmm. obesity. That's it. And so That's right. that really does compound, I think, all the mental baggage that comes along with it. Yeah. Yeah. And even working out, like I remember, you know, I would, uh, the one thing that I could always do was get on my beach cruiser. You know, I had this, you know, I had this old school beach cruiser that, that could take whatever weight. I don't know how this thing held up, but I would go down Venice Boulevard and there's always this one mir like mirrored, you know, glass at the front of this building. I think it was a Venice family clinic where I could see my profile. And if I, was just riding my bike and in the sunshine and, and didn't catch any weird looks from people, I'd have a great day. If I saw that profile, oh, yeah. it was all over. So I would even like, if I wanted to get up and move, I would go in the alleys, you know, I would start walking in the alley. I would do anything to like avoid, I mean, forget going to the gym or doing it. You know, it had to be solo dark, maybe in, you know, like creeping around. Cause it's like, and, and, now it's like you're um the guy that i just listened to i forget his name the actor that was it was the previous uh podcast who was on who's like tucker yeah yeah and he was talking awesome. about going into and seeing people either the blind guy or the overweight guy or whoever getting after it and you go yes you know there's a guy um but again hard to not necessarily easy when you're in that oh totally you it's know? easy to say too that that inspires you right it's hard to be that guy that's right and be like yeah i'm super inspiring like yeah. no nah, you don't feel like that right. yeah so that little you know that initial thing but also you know when i it was really hard for them to get me into rancho los amigos because that's like hardcore like like paraplegic and like people that are trying to learn like literally how to walk again from like car accidents and like so it was a blessing so part of their rehabilitation is is physical therapy every day don't go anywhere we'll be right back so right away 
when they took me in and evaluated me and said, you know, I was like, work me. I was, and they were like, yeah, we're going to, I go, no, you work me. Like whatever we got to do. Yeah. And they did. We were getting after it from jump, you know, doing like, you know, by the end, I couldn't, I was on a walker at the end of Cedar sinai and I could walk maybe, you know, 85 feet down the hall and back on a walker real slow. That was huge. And then, you know, by the end of, Rancho Los Amigos, where I was, I was very slowly walking stairs, you know, a few flights up and a few flights down and starting to, I just knew that I had to, that I had to get moving. And also when they do the, the outtake for that, I was pre-diabetic, pretty obvious that that would be the case. I had cholesterol through the roof, like, you know, horrifying cholesterol, um, hypertension, high blood pressure. So they went to write me all these scripts for that. And back in the day, like I've, I've done all kinds of iterations of, of like vegetarian steak, vegan, but I, I knew that I could, I knew that I could nutritionally get there without the medication. So I refused it and it took me about nine months. I eased into it, but, but I went full vegan for about nine months and, um, ate my way out of the pre, the pre diabetes ate my way out of cholesterol. My doctor's like, you have the cholesterol of a teenager now. Um, you know, 120 over 69, you know, resting heart rate, you know, athlete kind of blood pressure. And again, my doctor's like, she's like, when you write the book, she's like, I want to be the first one. She's like, I've never, ever seen anyone reverse it. So again, like the, the journey for me is like, okay, you did this to yourself. You got a wake up call. Now, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. You know, and every day that decision. And if you told me three years in that it was going to take me three years to get to this point, I would have been like, there's no way. Right. I cannot wait that long. I want it fast. I want it now. But starting to starting to walk was it, you know, barefoot on the on Venice Beach. And one day I was walking, I started to get a little spring in my step, you know, and suddenly I was still probably 400 pounds at this, at this point, I started kind of jogging a little bit. Now jogging at that size, you know, a, a small child could pass me at a, at a medium pace, you know, but it was jogging for me, Yeah. you know? So I went back to Cincinnati that Christmas and I uh, met my friend Gabby and um, she's like a go-getter, former Marine super fit and she you know i was like i kind of want a goal i want to do something maybe a marathon it's crazy to even think like that and she goes well i'll do it with you and i'll pick it and so i said okay bet and she picked uh big sur um which would have been april of last year big sur big sur marathon. marathon yeah they closed down pch that's a lot of big hills sur. oh yeah <laughs> at at mile like 11 or 12 there's like a two point something mile hill Ooh. it's a killer yeah and i was like yeah let's do it let's eat i was hoping up. for like los angeles oh, which is pretty no. flat and i've run that one that one's good um but so i went from a guy who couldn't walk dying you know um a mess of a of a human being to you know i went uh this is something that and i knew just for myself I wanted to I wanted to accomplish something like that and it turned out that the date of that was almost 2 years to the day that I went in the hospital. It was April 26th and I went in the 22nd. 
So I um, was training for the marathon. Um, my knee, I get a, a torn um, meniscus. So I'm training, and it at a big weight. I mean, I, I'm not sure how big a runner you are, but it's no. not a great idea. For, I mean, for I, yeah, I've I've run a five k. Okay. And yeah. it sucked. Yeah. And so it, this is not a great idea for, for the knees. It's not a great idea um, for weight loss. It's just not a good idea in all ways. So I, so I was like, this is a great idea for me. You know, I'm going to do it because yeah. it's stupid. <laughs> right. So I'm training on like soft sand and grass and anything that I can do. And I've got this torn meniscus. And so then what I realize is I've got to drop enough weight to, to make it feasible for me to do this thing. So that that elevated my it kind of like at every time that I, you know, because at first when you just stop drinking and start eating right, so, you know, it just sheds at the beginning. I don't know about you, but like at certain points, your body goes, I want to get rid of this right now. And then a plateau. And then it's like, God, I got to do that. It's like mentally you go, now I got to step it up again. And again, it's like every time I'm like, God, I got to do this mental like lunge again, where you're like, now I got to step it up again. And I've done so much to get to this point. This is the, this is the problem I have with most fad diets. Right. They go, just do this one thing right. and you will get eventually to your goal. And I no. just... I think like, and you know, even the caloric, most of the fad caloric restricted diets mm -hmm. where it goes like everybody eats a thousand calories a day, right? Right. A thousand calories a day forever. I just don't know. I think eventually your body, I don't know about a thousand calories a day. Maybe you get there eventually and you fucking crawl across the finish line. And then the next day you eat a potato chip and, and it's you blow up right back up. Cause yeah. my body gets used to it. I don't know about yours, but like my body can get used to any, of those things you're absolutely right and also all of the people that are telling me what to do nutritionally have never done it you know what i mean they, right. they're like maybe they shredded 20 pounds and they're like this is what you do and you go how do you know dude my favorite people <laughs> to to actually really pay attention to for weight loss are bodybuilders and i'll tell you why mm. because they're they're hyper focused on only fat loss and these guys are basically their life is dieting and maintenance wow. and dieting and maintenance. And wow. that's all they do. Wow. A bodybuilder is literally focusing on yeah. on either maintaining or building muscle mm -hmm. and then losing fat. Yeah. And they're doing it so slowly that it's like, mm. okay, if I really draw this out, mm -hmm. you know, because most of the fad diets that you hit are like, I'll get you shredded in 30 days. And right. it's like, okay, if you're just about to be shredded, right. great, get shredded in 30 days. Right. You know what I mean? If you're if you right at that point. 10 pounds, there you go. There you go. Yeah. But like for people who are as big as, as you or me, mm -hmm. 30 days is like, what am I going to string together 25 of these 30 day cycles mm -hmm. and get shredded? That's right. Not going to, it's going to be miserable after yeah. the first few of them. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And that I, um, I read a book by uh, Tim Ferriss called the four hour body. And what I liked about that was not necessarily the program itself, which I, which I've, which I've tried, but his so way I. of, have you yeah. the slow carb? 
the slow carb and also the cheat day was my favorite oh, part. Man. Oh, yeah. well, the cheat day, the, the cheat day was the thing that threw me off the most because yeah. I was like, oh, you want a cheat day? That's the thing. Tim Here Ferriss go. has no idea what a cheat day means to me. So he lays it out for a normie. Dude. Like, you got to lose 10 pounds, do my diet. It'll be great. I, Maybe. I can be good for a month, strict, amazing. That cheat day, Wipe everything. It all out. Doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Throws it all out the door. Yeah. That's funny. But I liked the way that he experimented with himself. I did too. You know? I'm a big fan of his. I just yeah, I but, think that that diet is for, you know, Kevin Connolly is right outside and he's a pretty good looking dude. And if he wanted to lose a few pounds, I yeah. would say try Tim Ferriss's diet. It That's might right. be great. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you know, the thing about the, about the bodybuilder guys, um, my buddy Mike Chernow just turned me on to, I finally was like, I've I've trained for three years to get to the point where I can lift again. I have a partially torn rotator cuff. I've got the knee thing. It's taken me this long to get. I did yoga the whole pandemic, just to reform from the inside out. You know, yeah. get limber. Get, and I'm just now at the point where I'm like, okay, I want to start banging some weights together again. So he sent me this program, and then. Uh, and then we started talking about macros and he said, you know, 250 grams of protein, 180 of carbs and 60 of fat. And I go, whoa, 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 wait. He goes, uh, oatmeal every morning. And I go, wait a second. Oh, and uh, suddenly I was like, if I'm putting in this much work, I'm like oatmeal. Wow. Yeah. I haven't thought about oatmeal in a long time. Good. It's great. Oatmeal's awesome. Old school. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, it's like, the guys that are, you know, that are that are moving the weights around, you know, back in the day when I was in college, when I lost all the weight, the best physical torso shape that I've ever been in was when I was lifting. Yeah. At that at that stage. And um, I'm just now at the point now where it's starting to click. And also, I'm so stubborn that I think I can do it myself nutritionally as well. And then I get stuck and I try all this stuff and I have all these things in my mind about Atkins or um, keto, which is like I keto is just like I love the idea. But like 80 to 90 percent of your nutrition coming from fat is real tough. Yeah. You know, and like I don't it's just it's I, I, I tried all of this, all of it. I tried every iteration yeah. of like this is the be all end all to dieting. Yeah. And the problem again and again for me was I had no real long term plan. Yeah. I, I either my plan was either I have to be keto forever. Mm. And even then, I was never getting anywhere near my physical goals being on keto. Totally. So it was like, OK, I'll just be keto forever and kind of hover in this area that I'm not really happy with. Right. Which sucked. Sucks. Um, or. I just need to get this weight off fast, yeah. so I'm going to do something really extreme. And think about, you know, the weeks after that mm. at another time. Like, I'll think about that when I'm there. Wow. And over and over again, it was like, I can lose weight, yeah. no problem, yeah. and I can put weight back on, no yeah. problem. So the the other thing I like about the bodybuilders, and by the way, like, I don't give a shit if nobody has to be a bodybuilder. Yeah. I'm saying I'm taking these principles there you from go. them. Yeah. And they're thinking in terms of years, right? Mm. They're like planning shit out it's amazing. so far in advance and doing stuff really slowly. Yeah. Um, 
And that I can kind of frame yeah. life around. Like yes. losing 10 pounds, I, I could do that in two days right. for real, yep. right? I stop eating salt. I cut out carbs. 10 pounds are going to fall off. Yep. It's water. That's right. That's not... That's, That's not it. really what I'm looking to lose. That's it. Yeah. I, I did this thing. Um, uh, our buddy, John William Codling. Yeah. Shout out, um, who hooked us up. Um, he told me um, about the show, and he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there. It's probably not going to happen. But in my mind, I was like, it just sparked something. I go, I'm going to come on being, if I get in front of this guy. So I did this thing a few months ago where I did 40 days of two protein shakes a day. I and wanted, that's it? That's it. Oh, wow. A few bites of kimchi for the probiotics. Sure. Um, so my experiment was, can I get enough nutritionally, and these protein shakes are no joke in like the soup version of the of the Nutribullet. Like, right. Don't feel sorry for me. It's a, a lot. Like You're a saying a it's a lot a of... A quarter block of, of tofu, the ascent protein the scoop of thing the scoop of this but and uh, italian parsley for the nutrients <laughs> but what i was going after and it worked i did two of those a day and lost like 30 pounds in 40 days and i've kept it off wow but what i was going after too was i'm looking at the causes and conditions and the behavior and the pre-thinking and like how do i get to the point where it's not a constant band-aid on my behavior and on my desires and on what makes me feel good, which a lot of times is consuming things. It's the reward, it's the happy, it's the sad, it's the this. Don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. Those two protein shakes a day left a lot of time in between consuming to just exist. And for me, like sitting here and just having a few sips of this bottle of water while we're talking is like, this is a lot of self-discipline. Like I'm always, there's always something like I, it's just something I just, I'm always consuming something, you know, I even see people that work and do stuff and they're not drinking water for hours at a time. That's just their MO and they'll drink enough water to make up for it and be healthy. And I just am not. So what I'm, starting to understand about myself is if I can start to break down why I do what I do and that moment right before right before you reach for the thing right before you have the thought it's like if, if I can stop it before that and even if I don't stop it if I just identify what that thing is yeah. why am I doing that why am I going for that where is that thing and like you know when I was when I first started doing all the nutrition stuff i would make these huge there's this um thing called salt fat acid heat on netflix have you seen this yeah it's the chick she's a, a she's gal a some people don't like that word yes she's a gal and she's a cook right she's a chef she's, a she's chef. incredible she's awesome. yeah. she does this heat part where she does this cauliflower and she just roasts the shit out of it and it gets down to like this and so I was doing these things where I was roasting huge things of broccoli and cauliflower and tofu and chicken. And I would just always have that in my fridge. And always at those moments when I'm like, I know I'm going to go ham. I'm going to come home. I haven't eaten for a while. As I'm deciding what to eat, I'm going to be, it's just like, this is just, I know myself. Yeah. This is what I'm going to do. And I would just go Richter on the broccoli. And I'm a great cook so i could make it delicious and that's the other thing is that like nutritionally it doesn't have to be you know 
the restrictive, it could be fun, you know, it could be delicious. So I was just building that into because I'm like, and after a while, it was like my body was getting all the nutrition, the nutrients, the fiber, the stuff. And then I could make the decision when, you know, when I calm down. But it's like, why do I do that? Yeah. In the first place. But you I know? think I think that's a great trick or or, or um, what are the tech people call it a hack mm. that people could use. Because I have noticed about myself that if I try to figure out what I'm going to eat while I'm hungry mm -hmm. or if I go to the grocery store when I'm hungry, mm -hmm. I make bad decisions. <laughs> totally. So like having stuff on hand That's right. that it's hard to really mess yourself up with, Yeah. head of broccoli and some spices unless you make broccoli fondue and that's what you're going after right, right? but yeah. if it's a head of broccoli and yeah. some spices olive oil and bragg's liquid aminos really the magic hard combo. to mess yourself up that's by right. the way you're gonna be pretty full oh and so whatever decision it. you then make yeah you're not gonna have the room to really like you're not eating a head of broccoli followed by an entire bag of potato that's chips, right probably right i mean yeah that's that's possible but also right. like you know, my go-to back in the day um, was uh, a certain Mexican fast food franchise, and um, I've I've hit it once in three years. You was know, it Taco Bell. It was Taco Bell. So I'm gonna fuck you up right now, trap. Okay, and I have to do this because my mind was blown. My friend Jonah opened a restaurant called Jonah's Kitchen, and he's making a wagyu taco. We might cut this out. My wife might hear that I did this and be like, are you crazy? You're trying to get people who are thinking about weight loss to go eat this taco? Yeah. It's a Taco Bell taco. Yeah. But made with all ingredients that you and I as adults and people who are interested in health yeah. would like. I bit this taco and yeah. was like, oh my God, I'm in a drive-thru yeah. at 18 years old, a little buzzed, shouldn't be driving, but I'm here. I've just ordered six of these and it was the most nostalgic thing I've ever eaten in my entire there, life. Can you take me there, please? Can I'll we go? I'll take you there, but we gotta, uh, we gotta earn it. We gotta yes. earn it. Oh no, food. for sure. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, is like, you know, at this point, you know, and the, the marathon thing too, you know, what was so amazing is that the... So Big Sur got canceled because of the pandemic. So I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to run it on my own. Okay. So I set up a course in L.A. and had my friends at all the different stops along the way. And um, I had my gels um, and I had, you know, all the stuff. And I would stop and they would have the oranges. And my friend uh, Ryan met me. Ryan and Steph and their little son legend, little legend made a little sign for me, met me at the bottom of Temesco Canyon and at the top. Oh, you added in hills? Oh, I built You're in. A psychopath. I built in the one mile hill oh at mile God. 11. Right. Yeah, had to. And when they got to the top, Ryan handed me a cliff bar and I was like, dude, like I'm running, like I can't have anything heavy. It is in my mind, you know, I, I already know. And this is to your point to the reward. And when I got to a certain mile, I knew it, it's like on uh, Allah or something, or um, it's it, it's a winding road down through the Palisades. It's like a mile downhill, and I ate it at the top, and that thing sustained me at the end. You know, it was like just that brick, and like when I got at the end of the thing, I had this epic sub that I made and all the stuff, and like part of the game for me is like the reward you know what i mean it's like it's like i love getting i i wake up in the morning and like 
I got to get after it first thing uh, in order to earn eating throughout the day, which sounds really weird, but it's like that, that earning of the thing and that reward. And then you start talking to like ultra marathoners and triathletes and all these people and all they talk about is food. Yeah. That's all they're obsessed you well, know, those guys are starving. Properly they're, starving. They're, they're properly starving. But all of these top tier athletes are like, yeah, that's the reward for us, too. So I'm like, there's part of the thing. The part of the shame of like the gluttony is like, um, you know, w- why does that have to be part of my makeup? And why? Do, why? Do I, and I'm like, OK, if I just acknowledge that I'm a fiend like that and like and and eating is part of the enjoyment of life like building in that physical activity to get the reward i started to realize that everybody does that you know and it's a healthy thing and it's a fun thing and it's like so like it's almost like i had to i had to like get back into society as like and like look around at other people and be like are you i used to see people eating like solo at a taco bell and be like you're psycho like don't you want to take that and go home and like hide right and eat yeah you know that was me too yeah I would like hide it on the floor so it wasn't even sitting on the on seat. On the seat, next yeah. To me. Oh, for you sure. Know, get home, no neighbors are watching. Quickly grab it, scurry inside. Yeah, I'd have the grocery bag. I'd have it inside oh, the grocery smart. bag. That's smart. You kept a grocery bag like a Ralph's in your thing. car. Yeah, that's so really you'd be like, smart. just bring it up some groceries. Yeah, My two bags of Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah. I think. Listen, I go. I go. I have so many conflicting feelings about food as a reward because I totally agree with everything you're saying. Um, And I love food. Dude, I flew to Beijing once to eat duck. Like, I I heard about this place. It's in an alleyway, best Peking duck in all of China. You got to go. And I was like, okay, I'll go there. I feel like eating duck. So I went. I went to Kiani to eat at um, this crazy butcher Dario's you know get special cows that he has climb over the mountains from spain to italy and they're you know like i'm psychotically obsessed with food sometimes um i think food can be an art form right i think even a taco bell taco can be a beautiful thing right a big mac can be a beautiful thing uh i was talking to a buddy who's working in pittsburgh right now and i was like dude you got to go to Pomani Brothers or Pomani Brothers if you have a thick Pittsburghian Listen, accent. We t- yeah, yeah. Yins, Yins, Yins is going to yeah. Pomani Brothers. Right, yeah. and they've got uh, French fries on the In burger. The th- of course. Yeah. yeah, like that's awesome. Yeah. That said, I I also think like, you know, in this day and age, I was the guy who, you know, and I don't really know about video games now, but I see snippets of them mm. and they look like, unreal like you're mm. in another world and then i would be the guy who would just sit and play tetris non-stop all day that's where my expertise began and ended totally. yeah. yeah so the same thing like as we get better at food can make food more delicious i'm just gonna sit and eat mcdonald's double oh. quarter pounders and i'll eat 30 of them and mm-hmm. i'll hide and do this mm-hmm. one thing over and over again yeah and I'm no longer experiencing that as a beautiful thing. There you go. I'm just doing it obsessively. Yeah. And I'm kind of just entertaining myself or numbing myself yeah. with food rather than having this beautiful, what could be a beautiful experience. Yeah. So, like, 
I'm totally with you. And, 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 uh, even on my maintenance periods, I get a free quote unquote free meal. Yeah. And I'm very hesitant to do something like eat a pizza on that free meal, Mm -hmm. um, and have real ice cream. But I, I don't even think I have done that in yeah. in a few years. I don't think I've had pizza in a yeah. few years. But I will go outside of my normal boundaries of how I eat and go like, I'm going to enjoy this and I'm going to let it entertain me in mm. ways that isn't just fuel. Mm. And I've earned it and I'm going to be okay with that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I did go to my buddy Jonah's restaurant yeah. and I, I ordered the taco. I took a bite freaked out my wife took a bite said you're not getting this back i thought she was kidding she was not kidding i wasn't getting the taco back. Uh, had to order more yeah and then had to order more to go because yeah. we had to have our kids experience it wasn't nostalgic at all for them because they've no. never eaten taco bell really yeah um great you know but so like i totally agree it's it's this weird thing like i don't i would never trust myself to go like i can i can get a buzz and mm. be cool oh. this is a like a black and white issue for me food becomes so much more complicated well and that's the thing is is like you know a heroin addict you're like um we're gonna get you off of heroin because you're gonna die and they go well it doesn't sound fun but okay the food addict they're like you have to you have to ingest what you're addicted to for the rest of your life, just not the same way you go, wait, what? But, but I realized that I tricked my body nutritionally. The way that I tricked it is I realized that if I inundated myself with like the Italian parsley, so my protein shake is I, I put a handful of Italian parsley in it every morning and the broccoli, the cauliflower, the things, the salads. And, and I get down in the kitchen so I can make it fun. But, like, the rewards start to get different physiologically. You know what I mean? And it's almost like I don't even have to. And I've talked to people about this where they're like, how did you do it? I want to do it, da, da, da. And part of what I would say is, like, I think if you um, inundate yourself with enough nutrients your body your the brain is going to reward itself differently you know what i mean so like instead of cutting out all of the stuff i add things you know i add the the good nutrients i add the wheatgrass i add this stuff and then my body unbeknownst to me starts to get a taste for it you know what i mean even all these different things that i try you know when i go when i did the keto thing i was like probably what a lot of people did as I go bacon and cheese and and I go great this is good but like after a while my body was like I'd really just want a salad yeah you know and I was like that's interesting like I'm still not making all the decisions that I want to make but like somehow I've I've tricked myself and tricked my body into having that as a as a reward so like the the workout and then reward it might not look the same as even i think i want to you know uh, if i think about the the end of the marathon like i ate a half of the thing that i made you know i didn't even and it was weird i go huh yeah it's interesting it's a really bizarre thing too i think for guys like you and me to like and this word really irritates me mindfulness right Mm. this is such a hippie dumb (laughs) word and it makes me think of like my parents in the 60s, you know, like burning incense yeah. and like being dorks. 
Um, but that said, if you start to go like, how does my body feel? What does my body mm. need? I'm going to slow everything mm. down. I'm going to experience this in a different way. Cause dude, I was, I'm sh- I was, a, I was like, if, if there's any shot and I'm going to get caught doing this mm. and by caught, I mean, have another person have to watch me or yeah. see me. Yeah. I'm doing it fast yeah. right? at a restaurant. I'm shoveling food into right. my mouth and then sitting back and going like, I'm done eating. Nobody can see me eating anymore. Yes. Like I did it quickly. Yes. And then at home alone, I'm not sitting and savoring the right. taste of an Arby's, you know, whatever Arby sells those, those uh, horsey sauce dips and they're, they're, you know, uh, they sell the McDonald's kind of breakfast potato, but all day, mm. whatever that is, I don't know what it's called. Potato pancake kind of thing. Mm. And, I'm not sitting there going like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm thinking about it now and I'm going, I bet that's amazing. Yeah. Horseradish cream sauce on a fried potato disc. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. I bet I could get away with taking a bite of that now, right. experiencing that, recognizing this as like fantastically delicious yeah. and going, that's all I need. That's it. I experienced that. That's it. No. Yeah. Back then it was like, I need six orders of this yeah. and I need to get it constantly into right. myself that's right so i think that changing these habits and behaviors and experiencing th- things differently can still allow us to like see food as a beautiful thing yeah. see food as a reward yeah. right because god i mean what are, what are we here doing right i know we're on earth like a big part of our time is spent eating it's got it can't be a fucking miserable thing all the time yeah it's like the it's like the uh it's it's again like the 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 tech dudes who are like you know they 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 only want to drink they're like give me the most efficient nutritious like i don't have any pleasure you're like huh yeah that's you're an alien like that's kind of they did that dude that i and i considered doing that at one point a dude came up with soylent green which is real that's what i was gonna say soylent green because in the people. movie, it's yeah. people, right? Yeah. No, it, I don't know how they're going to market that successfully either. <laughs> Maybe they did. Maybe, they, but but yeah, for like, for for people who can, who, you know, I think about like asexual people. If they're really mm-hmm. not inclined towards right. sexuality, yes, then like uh, a naked figure of the proper sex, depending on what your proclivities right. are, doesn't spark anything in yeah. them. And so, like, okay, there are probably some people that have that disconnect with food, too. Right. And then there's the moment in me where I'm slightly jealous of them. Mm -hmm. And then I imagine, like, a sex addict must be on some days slightly jealous of an asexual person. Right. And I go, like, I don't want that. No. I don't. I want to experience stuff in a way that's healthy for me. Yeah. That's also... um, sensual yeah. and sensually gratifying and and yeah. giving me these things in a way that I can also make the progression I want to make. Yeah. I look at my girlfriend when she's when she's done she is is first of all a gourmet cook but enjoys food as much as I do but when she's done she's done. Yeah. And also when she takes a bite of like a she doesn't like protein bars but I always have them around when she takes a bite of a protein bar she gives it back and I'm like, did a squirrel bite this? She's just like, I'm like, I would eat like, I'm, I'm just like everything. It's always the full cup of water. It's always the thing. But like, 
back in the day when I first lost all the weight, I I I went out to uh, Mal's kitchen in Venice one time, and um, everybody got all the stuff, and I was eating orange chicken. My buddy was, and I got done with mine, and he was just going after it. And I recognize, I go, I recognize that behavior. And I was done. I was full. And at the time, I had modified my behavior where I didn't have to think about it. When I was full, I was full. And he took my plate and then my girlfriend plate at the time and ate both of them. And, j- and I remember thinking, I go, that was me. And I also was like, I don't know how I got to this point where I can just be done. And my girlfriend, when she's done, she's done. And if I'm around that, part of me is like, huh. Like, that's a that's a new way to look at it. Yeah, you know, like maybe I can get down like that. Maybe you know, it's like the thought just didn't occur to me. That's amazing. I still have, I think, I still have the need to like go like I've had enough. Yeah, and I and my urge is like I don't want to leave anything there. My urge is right. everything has to be gone. Yeah, it, is that like I, I'm like? Didn't my parents teach me that, or is that like a right, societal thing? Yeah, I I don't know, and I get into all kinds of weird rationalizations yeah. of like this is disrespectful to the food. This is disrespectful to the chef. There are other hungry people. I'm going to eat it for them. You know what I mean? Like right. all this crazy nonsense, um, where. Really, it is just my urge to consume, mm. right? And I had that urge with drugs and alcohol. Yes. I had that urge with food. F- drugs and alcohol is easy because I just go like, well, I'm not doing drugs and alcohol anymore. So there's right. not going to be any scary line yes. that I'm going to cross. That's right. Um, food, especially with stuff that is out of my control. Like yeah. I'm at a restaurant and, you know... I order the steak and the steak comes and it's gigantic and the little pieces of fat on the edge are perfectly crisp to where you're like, I can get away with eating that. Nobody's going to judge me. It looks like meat. Um, (laughs) And then I go like, well, I'm full. I don't need to eat anymore, Mm. but I want to eat the rest of it. Mm -hmm. It's just a thing. I don't know if I'm going to be experiencing. It's certainly easier now because I can beat that urge. Yeah. Um, but then also like at at a at a table with people I don't know that well, I, I feel like mm. compulsive need to consume. Like, what am I doing here? We're just talking. This mm. is awkward. If I'm eating, right. I don't have to talk, you know. Yeah. All of that social stuff. Yeah. Um it does become stuff that we can work through. And I and that's beautiful that you say that because, you know, part of what Part of what's so inspiring about your story and, and, you know, being a being someone so visible for so long that's transformed themselves is like, I don't know if people know that they have a chance. You know, I don't think if people know that that they they've got a shot. And it's also like it's it's a constant thing, you know, and at a certain point, I I I stop being a victim and I become a volunteer. You know what I mean? Now it's like I get to get after it. It's not like oh I have to it's like no I get to do this like this is fun it's hard you know it's it's weird to have to think about this stuff all the time but it's also like I'm awake I'm alive I'm ambulatory I have 10 fingers 10 toes like I get to get after it like how many people and that's the other thing sitting in that hospital in the state that I was I realized anyone else if if they had the chance if they had a second chance um, and what a gift to get. And also 
to propagate out to the world. You know what I mean? I don't think I have to do or say much other than just live now and just be like, you know, it's possible, yeah. you know, just that little spark, that little spark of hope, um, you know, and like kudos to you for just being like this, you know, it's it's amazing to, to transform and then also just be like part of the cultural conversation about this whole thing, because who else is going to do this? You know what I mean? This is not going to be a mandate from the government. It's going to happen grassroots culturally. You yeah. know, that's the beautiful thing about this, these kind of conversations. Yeah. And, and we're, we're slipping into a, an area where because it's really hard, uh, we're coming up with really intelligent ways to convince people not to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, mm. um, intellectual arguments on why, people shouldn't do something that's really hard and uh, I don't I don't even feel like arguing with those people I would just say like if there's any urge in you at all even if you've had a thousand failures yes that it is possible yeah you can succeed that's like, right I really do believe that that's right and you know the the amazing thing for me is is always that that movement that um, energy begets energy. You know what I mean? It's so exhausting to think about the journey. But if I just, if I just, what I started to do too is I would just put the clothes on. You know, if I wanted to just put the shoes on and the outfit and like, okay, you wear comfortable stuff all the time. We'll put on something that is like your active thing and then just go sit on the couch if you're going to sit on the couch. But something would happen where I'd have the gear on and I'd be like, I just get that little bouncy foot and I just go, all right, I'm just going to go out for a minute. And then suddenly if I was like sleepy or hungry, any of those other things, if I'm out and I'm moving, suddenly that feels better than anything else. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Ever, yeah. you know, even yeah. if it's for that brief instant. I had a sober living coach who would say, um, Every night before you get it, go to bed, put your shoes under the bed. Mm. And I was like, why? And he was like, that way you start every day on your knees. And and I'm like, like I don't do that. But <laughs> like if that's what it takes, yeah. like if if what like you can you can start yourself, you can set yourself up to succeed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yes. you're saying put put on the clothes. This is what I'm going to put on every morning first thing. Yeah. And in an effort to achieve something, yeah. maybe you're more likely to achieve it than you never get past your bathroom mm -hmm. or whatever it yeah. is. I think that's really sound advice. The, the broccoli, the cauliflower, yeah. make it so that you'll eat it, you know? Yeah, I always think about like, um, you know, old school me would go to this, I forget the restaurant, but we'd go to this restaurant and it'd have all the salad fixings, you know? And it would have like all the fun stuff to make the salad. And I can turn a salad into, you know, a 3000 calorie meal sure. for sure. But I also do that stuff too, where it's always the fun, the little kimchi, the little, you know, they put it Korean barbecue, the, the banchan, like all the little, like if I just have this little interesting stuff, that's not the, that's not the, the, the trigger foods or the, whatever you want to call those things that take you down that alley. You know, it's like it's like setting myself up for success and like no one ever taught me that. And again, no one there's not a lot of conversations about, um, you know, how do you do it 
when you are a, a very big person. It's always coming from someone that's super fit. That's like, go do that. And you're just like, I, I don't know. Like, well, it's, I, I totally know what you're saying. And I think it becomes, it doesn't matter if the reason isn't your reason. Right. You know what I mean? And so, whoever else is trying to give you that's their right. reason for that's doing right. something. And it's like, that's not my reason. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do this for your reason. It has to be my reason. That's right. And, and this is like where I look at another societal thing. It's like the battle between the puritanical mob who says this value mm. is universal. And I go like, how? Yeah. Values are, are not they're subjective values yeah. are subjective yeah we can all agree that murdering people is bad right 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 so then we all agree that murdering people's bad yeah but if you have some dickhead who doesn't agree yeah. he's gonna go around murdering people and yeah. he doesn't give a shit that you all <laughs> think it's bad right so you got to do something about that dickhead yeah but when it becomes to personal like the way we live our lives yeah anybody who's out there going everybody has to be thin because it's better it's like well that's your reason honey that's right I, I, i'm not thinner because it's better i have my own weird mental structure of rationale for yeah. why being this weight is better for me personally right. than being whatever weight i was before yeah. N has nothing to do with society's reasons that's it. um this is a a weird thing we get into um now where it's like this assumption that what i think is right for me can be universally right for everyone mm. like i you know i don't think we're going to convince anybody to do anything um that they believe is not correct yeah and know? and people that i th you know i see people that um you know are naturally just big and they're healthy and they're and they're happy and like that's fine but also like we exist on a planet that that has gravity imposed on us you know i have those um those 53 pound kettlebells and i was walking i had one in each hand and i was walking down the stairs with them to go work out and then i was walking back up the stairs and i realized not too long ago i was walking around with those and so but no, even more way more and those pose a real problem just those a real problem yeah. and and so you know the relief of just you know what i really wanted to do was just not have to work so hard just to exist anymore you know and that's part of the thing is that is that like whatever the values are or what you're talking about the things that people impose the judgment that this and that just gravity wise you know my perception is shaped by having less mass on this planet it's so bizarre yeah it is so it's it's like i can't explain it to anybody else but i see the world differently you know as as i transform my body and part of that has to do with the journey obviously there was a guy on uh on joe rogan he's like one of these like special forces dudes who's like a fitness guy and he said uh or maybe he was like an mma guy and he said um I wish, sometimes I wish I could have 60, 80 pounds to lose to have that journey. He goes, no one understands how, how incredible that sort of transformation is for the soul. And I went, man, that's a wild, that's a wild supposition, you know, because it's true, you know, like that, 
that kind of thing is like you know the 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 serenity and like just the joy of living at the at the end of that rainbow is is incredible you yeah. know and walking around with those things it's like man i was walking around with those suitcases for so long yeah. you know i know picking up dumbbells around that weight i i'm like waddling practically right like it's a real it's yeah. like and i'm going like how the fuck did i move around yeah with even more weight than this but like yeah just even 100 pounds ago i don't recall it being this much work this right. is a lot of work yeah the uh the sensation physical mental spiritual all of it mm. of of having success at a goal um that you that i've been dealing with for my entire life yeah there's nothing quite like that yeah you know yeah. and then and then the failure and the right. regression yeah it's also pretty that's pretty heavy duty yeah and then succeeding again and then getting to a place where it feels like i've gotten so much or an amount of time that i start to think like i can do this right like this is a long-term thing right the greatest feeling and and the the sustainability too like you know the the information that that we were lacking and then the way i think about like back in the day like in the 50s like you know people it just you weren't there wasn't a lot of fast food you weren't snacking a lot it was meals it was togetherness it was community it was like a whole different structure of like all the things that people are dealing with now um, the portions were way smaller. Way smaller portions, and then you you see like what's embedded in the in the in the in the corporations that profit off of this, and then how all the medicines to fix all of this, and then you go a lot of this could be solved. Like I had um, I had gout, so gout is you know uric. It's the I think they call it the rich man's disease. So uric like acid. Kings used to get it. The kings used to get it builds up in your in your bloodstream and then it, it crystallizes usually in your big toe it gets your big toe hurts or whatever so my uric acid levels was like 13 point something and the doctor's like you got gout you got gout and again i go i think i can it's just so audacious i think i can do something about this and i ate my way out of it went down to like 7.1 of the thing she's like nobody does like this is not a solution that we offer people right. you're either you have gout and you get on the medicine or you deal with it you know what i mean and it's like if people just have if they know the possibility that maybe their lives can get a little easier you know if if they just kind of and it's like wh well what's the point why do we make these wh why do we make these decisions and then it's the communal thing you know where we hear, you know, someone hears a conversation like this and it's like, well, you know, maybe there's more people out there like this than they could have these decisions that kind of, you know, transform themselves. Yeah, you know? it is. I, I'm super white pilled on the whole thing. Like I am nothing but hopeful. Yeah. I think we can. I think people are generally able to do better. Yeah. And I and I am positive about it. I yeah. mean, just the just the possibility of coming on this show sparked that thing for me so thank you awesome. you lit a fire thank for you real. for coming and so you ran a marathon yes what are you doing next um well the the you know pushing the weights around is is kind of the goal right now but um my friend gabby we never got to run the marathon my friend gabby and jen 
So um, we're thinking maybe Iceland, to 2022, oh, a, awesome. a marathon in Iceland. Yeah. I'm picturing Iceland, and I'm picturing cold and lots of mountains. I hope, you know. <laughs> right, make it I'm hard. A, I'm a hill eater, man. Yeah. I want to get after it. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Trap, thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And now for the Q&A. Here is a question that comes from Bobby. Hi, Bobby. Bobby says, wondering something. For general fat loss, not bodybuilding type goals, do macros actually matter? I've listened to some of your guests say that they don't really matter and that it's calories, but then they say track them. So is this just to make sure you get enough protein and the others don't really matter or do they? That's Bobby's question. For general fat loss. No, I mean, listen, I track protein really diligently and I track carbs really diligently and fat is very little, but I eat so much meat that that's kind of where I get my fat. But I wouldn't be able to tell you to the gram how many grams of protein I get. I know it's about my body weight every day. Um, but that really the reason I do that is um, because I want to retain muscle mass. And, and so that's why my protein is so high. If that's not your goal, if your goal is just, you know, if, if your goal is just weight loss, you can do that and, and just be in any caloric deficit. I mean, people have done like, you know, the AMPM slash 7-Eleven diet where they're like showing that they can lose weight while eating Twinkies. So it really, if, if you don't care, I mean, I don't, I don't think I would feel good eating that way. I think I would feel like shit, but I could lose weight, you know? So, right. I, I mean, it just depends if, um, that I, I track, I track the, I track that stuff and I, and I began tracking it very, very dil diligently for well over a year before I felt comfortable going like, now I have a general sense on what I should eat, you know? Um, so I'm not writing everything down now. Uh, I'm not, uh, I don't have a, a pad of paper with me. I'm not doing mathematical figures. And then, you know, after that, I was letting apps do the math, math, the math for me. Um, I'm not doing that today because I spent a long time eating in a very specific way. And then I just went like, I've eaten these meals so many times. I know how to compose this meal. I know if I'm at a restaurant that I want to get a lean piece of meat or fish and a baked potato or some rice, you know, and some broccoli that's steamed. Like, you know, some something green, something with carbohydrates and something with protein. That's how I, I, I compose my meals. And I'm not actually writing anything down or keeping a tally in my head. I'm, you know, sometimes I'm going like, how many meals did I eat today? I ate three meals. I need to eat a meal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Is that a, okay. Is that, does that answer his question? I don't know if I answered his question. I think you did. And I just have to say as like a person who doesn't have bodybuilding type goals, but just has general fat loss goals. Like I still, as much as I've listened to all of this, it feels like um, macros are harder to work with in my mind than counting calories like I know that sounds like I shouldn't say that because yes, I've heard I, enough I mean listen you know I, what I mean but just like I yes I know what you're saying but uh, I, I 
in that regard, um, my wife was doing a diet a while ago and, and it was actually really low protein or, you know, what I thought, and I, I never even got her up to like one, nowhere near one gram of protein per pound that you weigh. I never even got her near that, but I did say like, you know, well, you remember this thing where it was like, you get four ounces of protein once or twice a day. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so I was like, why not make it six? Why not have three meals like that? You know, um, cause four, f- cause eight ounces total protein f- per day seemed like really low to me. And so I encouraged her to have a little bit more. I didn't insist that she have more, but I'll tell you what, when I cooked for her, I was never making her four ounce portions of anything. I would make six or even eight ounce portions. And I'll tell you what, when I made eight ounce portions, she didn't eat all of it. So it's like she kind of knew. Um, This is how I rationalize that as though I've done something bad, but she kind of knew, which was evidenced by her leaving a little bit of an on the plate. Um, Did I just expose myself? Am I going to be in trouble now? (laughs) I don't think so. Okay. Um, So I, I like, you know a little bit more protein than airing on a very low protein diet um, in general. But like, you know, you don't have to do that. Nobody has to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I love it. Thank you for that. If you have a question that you would like answered by Ethan on AmericanGlutton.net, then send us an email to, let's start that again. (laughs) Wow. You're really blowing it. I am. I, this is what happens when you give me too much uh, responsibility here. Um, okay. Scott, Three. fix it. Scott, you better not. This is all us being real human beings. <laughs> if you have a question that you would like answered by Ethan, please send it in to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>